Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, it's Easter 2017. What an exciting time. Yeah, that's a great place to clap. Exciting. I want to welcome those watching online, watching by video and our video venue here at the Keller campus. And they just showed me a picture of 200 of you in our commons. And I want you to know I'm thinking about you right out there as well. Thank you for being with us here uh, this Easter. Um, I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 3 is where we're going to go. And John 3, 16 is one of the most popular verses. It's probably one of the ones that most of us would have heard before, and so uh, it talks about how much God loves the world. I'm going to give you a little bit more insight maybe into that verse, that common verse uh, today in John 3, 13 through 16. We're going to look at it. If you don't have a Bible, I'm going to put some things on the screens as well so you can follow along with me, and in your bulletins there, I have some notes that you can take along the way, all right? Everybody, everybody getting settled. All right, we, we made it. We got here. Come on now, everybody. A, a shoe. One kid's shoe could run Easter. One bow. I mean, kids getting up, they're digging in the chocolate, you know what I'm saying? Gets there. You know, it's I know, I know it takes a lot of work to get here, and now we're all here. All right, kids are sugared up, they're in the back. Okay, but the, don't worry about them unless you see your number and then you got to do the walk of shame you know we won't be (laughs) laughing at you or anything but um, maybe we should bond together just just kind of in general I'm always trying to get parents to team up a little bit Um, I was thinking this week that maybe Easter is getting a little off course it's getting a little too intense and we could make our lives easier a little bit it's like um, my my six-year-old I have kids 17 16 12 six. Somebody say, pray for them, Lord. Come on. But anyway, no, they're awesome kids and uh, they're normal kids, but they're great kids and I love them. But I got a six-year-old and she said she was getting ready for Easter because she had her Easter list. I'm like, hold, hold on a minute. The Easter bunny doesn't have any elves, okay? We're not, it's not Easter bunny trying to dominate Santa, okay? When we were kids, you got some fake grass, two or three boiled eggs. Y'all know what I'm saying, and a smashed Cadbury egg. But I don't, <laughs> I don't know. We got now. It's like you know, we woke up at sunrise to go to the sunrise service. They wake up to see, do I have any DVDs, iPhones, games? I mean, the the, the Easter Bunny's taking it up a notch. Plastic eggs, five dollars. That's it. You know, I mean, okay. It's just continuing, okay. And then you got, of course. The Easter photo. Come on, ladies. We've got to get that Easter photo for that Instagram pic. My wife asked me this week, she said, what are you wearing for Easter? I said, well, I'm wearing my blue Baptist sport coat, I think. I mean, I'm going to, well, you wear that all the time. I said, I know, but I like it. It works for me. She said, well, our colors, I was thinking maybe, maybe powder baby blue. That ain't happening. That ain't happening, you know. And then my team this week, our creative team, we meet. We're talking about the Easter service. They said, you know, Pastor, you did that little recap video last week. You look so good with a little bit of makeup on your shiny head. You look really good. Could you consider maybe preaching in some makeup? I said, look, let me, let me tell all of y'all something. 
What's not going to happen Easter 2017 is me in a powder baby blue jacket with makeup on. That ain't happening. That's, that's not, and I know y'all are glad. You're like, that's my pastor. Okay, we're trying to keep it real, okay? We're trying to keep it right, okay? But uh, anyway, it's, it's such a great time. I'm going to take you to John 3.13. It's going to take me a minute to get there, but knowing a lot of you are just, just looking right now, searching we're all really searching for something. I thought I would just try to sum up something as I prayed for you this week with this verse that I think so captures the heart of God for Easter. It says this, this is love, 1 John 4.10. Not that we even knew how to love God. We really didn't even know how to love him, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning, that means a payment, a sacrifice for our sins. I've preached a lot of Easter messages. I gave my first sermon, 16 years old. My pastor let me have a Sunday night service. 21 years old, I was a senior pastor. I didn't say I was a good one, but I was a senior pastor. God just said, hey, get in the game. And you know, I have a recurring thing that happens every Easter. If I could just take you into my world, of course, you're a little nervous, like, I want to I have the right things to say, I, I want it to come across well, but every time I stand behind the pulpit before I preach, as the lights are coming up, I'm praying, saying, I'm doing this for you, Jesus. And, and I know when I say that to Jesus, what he says back to me when I would say, what do I say? You know, how do I, what, what about the sermon? And I was thinking about all of you this weekend. He always brings me back to this. Jeff, there's a lot of things, and he'll help me with the message, but just make sure, and I want, if you don't get anything else, make sure they know how much I love them. Make sure. I don't know if life is not loving you well. I don't know if people are not loving you well. I don't know if you're even in a good season where you do feel loved. We can never, ever have enough of knowing that, it, that God in heaven who created us, he loves us intensely. And so he loves you right where you are, in a good time, in a good season, in a challenging season. Because you know what? It's the love of God that actually draws us towards him. It's his love for us. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. You're like, Jeff, you got this ladder on the stage. What's that there for? Well, look, I'm, I'm not going to climb it. Okay, that's not going to happen. That would be a bad fail for this Easter. But Actually, it's not just about trying to be creative or, or cute. It's really an analogy for me that has been repetitive, and I'm going I'm to show you how it integrates with John 3. I think it, it shows us so much culturally about who we are. I think this ladder, maybe if you'll listen to me, could help you understand the love of God in a different way. Because in our culture, love is expressed through something like this ladder. Now, I realize a ladder has practical needs. The first ladder was used for war. You would lean it up against the enemy's camp, and then they would climb over and try to conquer the enemy. 500,000 people fall off of these things every year. By the way, that peaks right after Thanksgiving. Come on, that's another good thing about Easter. We don't have to put those Christmas lights up. Come on, can the men give me an amen? But anyway... We, we use this, again, not for war. We use it for a lot of domestic-type stuff and painting and work-related and getting this or that. And, and yet, did you know what? It also symbolizes something about us culturally. 
We're climbers. I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I really after today? What am I really after? That next pay level, that next season, that next place in life that I don't know what you're climbing for, but we are climbers. We train our kids to be climbers. We measure their grades. We measure their significance. We put them in all kinds of different things to make them well-rounded so that one day as they begin to climb at a small age and a little bit older, then we want them to know how to be good climbers. I'll confess to you, I'm a climber. I look at goals. I look at the next thing. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with setting goals being a good steward of your talents, being a good steward of your gifts, I want to go back to my original point, and that is that, in fact, something that is a strength in our culture could actually be a weakness when it comes to how God relates to us. Because, you see, I don't want us just to spend our time talking about all the stuff we're climbing towards, though that integrates with our lives. What you want on Easter is to know how to get to God if you really know how powerful he is, how he could change those circumstances in your life. You're you're looking for that spiritual connection, and the problem is because we're such good climbers, we superimpose our cultural understanding onto our spiritual lives. And so here in John 3, again, we're going to look at 13 through 16, but ahead of those famous passages is a very unique story. There's a guy in the story, his name is Nicodemus. I find a lot of times we have trouble getting something out of the Bible because we're kind of like, that's a different day. Those are different people. I don't relate to those people. They're different. You know, they had a different lifestyle. They dressed different. They had different philosophies. And so I do think, though, Nicodemus is someone we can relate to. You may not know much about him. He was a climber, definitely. You say, why do you say that? And by the way, his culture was a little different than ours. Ours tends to be more segmented, and so you have a lot more specialists. Actually, Nicodemus lived in a time period where what he was was much more integrated. You see, he was a Pharisee, which meant he had an elite social and religious position. He also was a part of a small religious sect called the Sanhedrin, and so you may not understand all of that, but there was, there was this melting point of political influence, financial influence, relational influence, religious influence, kind of any box you would check, this guy had an integrated position with all of it. Probably came from some opportunity. We don't know everything about that. Nonetheless, somehow, some way, he got boosted into climbing and he, he was climbing really well. I pray at some point in your life, you would come to the place where Nicodemus came. Nicodemus came to the place that said, no matter how high I climb socially, financially, or culturally, he began to ask questions about things that really matter, spiritual questions. And he runs into Jesus because Jesus is the real answer to those questions. And I'm kind of paraphrasing the story for you. I'd just like to tell you the story and let you absorb the truth of the Bible But he comes to Jesus and he says, look, the way you teach is different. It's something about it. It's not just the information. There's there's life in what you're talking about. And so they saw that in him and Nicodemus saw it in him and said, you teach different. And then he said, all these miracles that you perform, 
that you're changing people's lives. And so it has to be real. And he says to Jesus, the question at some point we all ask, and that is, how do you get to God? How do you get to God? How do you get God involved in your life? How do you make it to that place? And Jesus says something crazy. He says something that really honestly, if we were really intellectually honest, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. If you think about that practically, here's the question. Some of y'all may have seen that on a movie or you've seen somebody make fun of a Christian and say it's the born againers or whatever. But nonetheless, when you look back at that story, we would have some of the same questions that Nicodemus would have. He's like, that's kind of anatomically and physically impossible. Like for all of us, it'd be like, we got to go back to Baylor Grapevine, labor and delivery, like does not compute. This is a problem. He asked Jesus that. Jesus said, no, I know you would have that question. No, you're born in the natural. You're born of water, but you have to be spiritually reborn. See, Jesus is talking about a death on the inside of us spiritually that can only be renewed through him. We become a new person, a new creation, not just add a little bit of this to our dead life. We become a new creation, a new person. And so Jesus shares that with Nicodemus and talks to him about, it's not about climbing, though you've climbed very well culturally, it's about receiving. It's about receiving being born again. I think back to a moment where I saw this story of Nicodemus in real life. By the way, I've seen it multiple times in our 14 and a half year history as a church. As a pastor, it's still the most exciting thing that ever happens is when I see this happen. But I I was thinking this week about a guy named Steve. And and Steve, he actually lived like right over here off of Borland in, in a neighborhood right over here. We had several people that got changed in a little neighborhood over here a few years ago. We were in our old building, and back then, this Discovery 101 class that I'm talking about that we have, where you get oriented with the church, and we talk to you about what we value, we had it in homes. Quite honestly, I'm such a relational person, I I wish we could still do it in homes, because I love sitting with the people and hearing their story, and we had it in Steve's home, this Discovery 101. Steve is a, he was a climber, he's still a climber, you know, he had a great education, he was in the banking industry had a nice, beautiful wife and kids, and had a nice home. That's why we asked him, Steve, can we use your home to have Discovery 101? So we're sitting in Steve's nice home that he climbed up to get with his nice wife and kids and everything in there all sitting around. And and here's something else about Steve. Steve had been to church. Steve had been in church. He was in our church. That's how we got to use his home, because he was in our church. Been to different styles of church, heard Easter messages. He had heard things. But while I was sitting there explaining the very story I'm explaining to you, Steve was sitting beside me watching the people's faces and looking at their questions. And after we shook hands and hugged necks and they all walked out, we're standing around in Steve's living room. And Steve said, Jeff, I've never heard that before. I never heard that, you know what, you received this gift and you're born again and you become a new person. All I'd ever heard was you you try to do better, you try to get better, you try to climb, you try to do more religious stuff, you try to make this happen. And I thought it's kind of like Christianity self-improvement. 
You get the book. Give me the information. I'll figure it out and I'll do more things. I'll give to charity. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to provide. I'm trying to stop this and quit that and start this. And I'm just trying to climb in my spiritual life like I have in my natural life. I'll never forget he and I talking about it and him coming to the realization that's not how it works with Jesus and him coming to know Christ and it changed his family forever. Some of you aren't convinced, so the reason I have this ladder is I like when there's a perspective that you're going, that's too simple, I still think we need to climb. I love to take the cultural perspective and play it out if we're going to be intellectually honest, let's play it out to the highest degree for a second if that's where we want to stay. So when I begin to think about climbing up to God, I begin to think, well, who is the most spiritual person that we know? She's since passed away, but I'm going to tell you, it's pretty hard to top this lady right here. Mother Teresa, 12 years old, she committed herself to the cause of God she later, later on, she early, early 1820, I think, she goes to India, Calcutta. If you've ever been to India, we're talking about challenges in these areas where she was at least in India. Severe poverty in that area. She begins to serve the poor. She denies herself any privilege. She ends up with 4,500 nuns working for her, taking, for people that are, taking care of people that are diseased and have problems and have challenges. I'm going to tell you, I mean, if you're going to talk about climbing spiritually, it's pretty hard to top that. I mean, you talk about some sincerity. Yet, if you study some of the things she wrote even more later in her life so that people would not see her as perfect, she began to say, I have mistakes. I've missed the mark. She believed by her, her style of faith that she needed to go to someone and confess her sins and problems. So even Mother Teresa, as high as she is, she can't get all the way up. You're like, well, I don't relate to Mother Teresa. So while we're measuring, well, let's just use someone that we all love. This, this, this is a high measurement, at least in U.S. culture. Billy Graham, the balcony. Will Pastor Jeff Peltier be in heaven? Ruth and I were praying the other day. The executive pastor of Milestone, great job with this building. But will he be in heaven? Will he be there? Will he make it? We decided he has not reached the age of accountability. But anyway. In all seriousness... Preach live, Billy Graham, to over 200 million people. Somebody may be listening to me in the overflow or watching by video or online, somebody in this auditorium. There's probably somebody here, you accepted Christ off of a message from Billy Graham. What a great testimony. 98 years old. I went to college with his granddaughters. Great testimony, great life. What a great picture of how to do it well. But Billy Graham himself said, I didn't make it that high up the ladder because he said, I traveled a little too much. I, when my kids were young, I made this mistake. He himself in his messages would preach the opposite. His message was opposite of climbing. He shared the message that I'm sharing with you. So Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, my question is, what about this guy? Hey, he's, he's a good dude, okay? Don't laugh at him. Don't make fun of him. I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself anywhere in the zip code of these folks here. 
again, I started preaching early in life. I deeply love Jesus and I deeply love people. And I'm thankful. Honestly, I can't believe I get paid to do what I do. I really can't even believe that I get to do this every day. And so I have a lot of pure motivations, but I've made a lot of mistakes. I've missed the mark. If, you've known, if you knew some of the things I've thought, if you've seen some of the times I've messed up, related to people wrong, said the wrong thing, lost my temper, I don't know, put me down here somewhere, you know, I'm not going to move. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm up a little bit. I don't, I don't know. The question is not Jeff Little, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. I know what you've been doing as I've been talking. You've been thinking, where, where am I? Where, where am I in this climbing? And so you, you look at it and you think, well, I, I think uh, maybe I could pass Jeff. Maybe if you keep going, you could pass me maybe pretty quick. Well, well maybe if I give my whole life to it, you got a lot of work to do, I could pass Billy you're not passing Mother Teresa. Just be honest, okay? Come on. You, that's not going to happen. Why, why do I bring that up? Because all of this doesn't work. It's not Jesus' plan. Now look at John 3.13. You know a lot of times 3.16, but look at 3.13. No one has ascended into heaven. No one has ascended into heaven. No one has climbed the ladder to God. No one. How many? No one. No one has ascended into heaven except he, speaking of Jesus, descended from heaven. Look what it says. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ. So we can't ascend to God. That's why Jesus descended down to us. And look what it says here. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever climbs, that whoever turns over a new leaf, so that whoever gets more willpower, so that whoever thinks of themselves as pretty okay, no, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God, here it is, held up on signs and end zones, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to unpack that for just a second. Scripturally, it's a totally different paradigm. And I just want to make it even more simple right here in our last few moments. This may be an Easter that you've, you've been to multiple Easter's. This may be your first time coming. We've had so many people I've met. I'm not really into church. I'm not really into God. Maybe your kids brought you here. Maybe a friend brought you here. You know what? You're welcome here. This is a place you can figure it out. This is a place where you can, you can research and look. And man, we can, we can talk about it for a second. But, but I want to share with all of us, because you can't hear what I'm about to say enough. Easter is really simple. It's about a cross and it's about a tomb. It's about a cross and it's about a tomb. You say, Jeff, okay, I've seen the cross. I've worn a cross. I've got a cross in my kitchen. What, what are you trying to say? What really happened on Easter? Well, I want to give you just two points real quick and let's think about it together. Number one, the cross is important because we couldn't get up to God, so we needed someone that could climb for us. We needed forgiveness. We needed help. Jesus paid what we owe so we can know and love God. You say, 
needed payment? Why did we need payment? Well, because to have relationship with, to be with a perfect God. Notice the end of those phrases in John 3 speaks of eternal life. And eternal life has to do with one day all of us will pass from this life. And to be in heaven with a perfect God, we have this problem because we can't get there and we mess it up along the way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have trouble. I was explaining it this way to my little one, six, six years old, Laney Kate, this week, this really happened, prayer time with dad. And I'm like, Laney Kate, we're talking a little bit about Easter, this and that. I said, Laney Kate, how do you go to heaven? And so we started talking about it a little bit. And she, she had a bunch of kind of preacher's daughter, church kid answers, to be honest. You know, it's kind of a little bit of this and the wind and the spirit and God and the book, you know, kind of. It's honestly six-year-olds, what's happened to me a lot of times, talking to all of us who are well-put-together climbers. How do you really get to heaven? Well, you know, this and that. Okay. I said, wow. So I started thinking, you know, dad, prayer time. You got to think on your feet, you know what I'm saying? And, and I had sisters. My sisters are in the service here with me, and I got daughters. And so I, I got a few girl moves, you know. So he and she and I are there. I said, let me tell you, Lainey, heaven's an awesome party. It's the perfect party. There's no sin. There's no sickness. We spend eternity with God. It's an awesome place. Everybody wants to go to this party, but you have to have a perfect outfit. I said, honey, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. She's like, oh, no. I said, but you got to have a perfect outfit to get in. And the problem, she goes, I said, I know. Our outfits get messed up. They get Easter bunny chocolate on them. We can mess up our bows. We don't always have it all. We try to make it all look good, but we, we, we mess it up. And so we have these problems. And so we don't have a perfect outfit. She goes, what do we do? I said, we use Jesus's outfit. She goes, I don't want that. <laughs> Jesus's outfit. I'm like, that didn't work. Okay, wait a minute. All right, let me, you know, I'm thinking on my feet here. I'm making this up. I got no sermon notes. You know what I'm saying? So I started talking to her about how Jesus makes a payment for us. And we can't earn it and we can't get there. And at the end of it, she goes, I think I got it, Dad. To go to heaven, we have to have Jesus. I said, exactly, honey. We have to have Jesus. Because he's the only one who can help us get up that ladder. I love this verse right here. Look at it. It's really simple, but it'll help you so much to understand the real message in life of Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that what? More spiritual climbing. So more, no, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We get the right outfit. We get the right perspective. We get the right heart, not in our natural self, but we get his righteousness. We get Jesus's righteousness. Some of you are like, well, why do I need Jesus's righteousness? Once again, no offense, we're spiritual climbers. See, you're not excited about getting a new outfit. You're not excited about getting someone to help you up the ladder if you have this mentality. And this is the common mentality. I've been pastoring for years. You work with people and that is, well, well, well but Jeff, I'm, I'm pretty good enough. Remember, Steve was pretty good. Those are the hardest people sometimes to really receive Jesus is those that are pretty good enough. In my own mind, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm providing, I'm a good mom, I'm a good this, I'm a good friend, I did that good. 
Because all of our comparisons are how high up the ladder am I? We never compare ourselves to the perfect God. And so I'm pretty good enough. That's why I say you need a good heathen friend. Just get somebody real heathen, you know what I'm saying? Just be like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not bad as them. I mean, look at them. Losers. I'm pretty good. I feel good. But see, the comparison is not to your heathen friend. The comparison is to the perfection of Jesus. And, and until you're willing to accept that, I find a lot of people know it, but we, we remove it when it comes to really doing business with Jesus. We know the people we've hurt. We know the thoughts we have. We know those situations. It's kind of like this. At 32 years old, I had to admit something about myself. I was follically challenged. Now, I denied it. My wife said, honey, you have a comb over. I said, I do not have a comb over. Now, remember, when I was 32, it wasn't cool to be bald. It's cool to be bald now. we got so many bald men in our church now walking around. I guess you attract what you are. A lot of them are buff, too, you know. I don't know if we use that word buff, yoked, built. They walk by me in the foyer. I just kind of push them. You need to work out, brother. It's kind of cool now. Back then it wasn't cool, you know. I'm like, 32, come on. My wife said, I had a comb over. The guy that cut my hair said, Jeff, I just got to be honest with you. He took the phone, took a picture. I looked at it, I thought, Jesus, I'm in trouble. Then I went to a little party that our staff has, and I jumped in the pool. When I got out, there was one long strand hanging. I just been circling that thing, man. I just been covering it, just covering it up. Just <laughs> it really happened. But the first step for all y'all that got comb-overs is admit you got a problem. And until you can get honest, you can't get help. And that's the hard part for us spiritually because it, it comes to a place where we have to say, you know what, I can't climb. And it's hard because we have our status. The cultural things that we've climbed up to make it hard for us to admit, I got to go back down and get somebody to help me because I don't do life that way. I push through. I fight through. I'm a person who's seen with status. And it's hard for us to take that humble posture and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I'm going to tell you, I believe heaven's a real place. Hell is a real place. And eternity's a long time. And when you stand before Jesus, let me just tell you, the only thing that allows you entrance into eternity with God is you've received his righteousness, his perfection, his life. It comes back to a cross where there's forgiveness. But let me tell you, it doesn't end there. On Friday, when he's hanging on that cross and they take him down, heaven started counting to three because there's also a tomb. Forgiveness changes your position with God, but the tomb can change your identity. The tomb can totally change your identity. Jesus gives us his power so we can live the life we were created to live. Eternal life. By the way, I use that word eternal life. Climbers don't like it a lot. Because it's kind of like, look, man, I'm living my best life now. I mean, I want to go to heaven one day. I mean, but I don't want to go now. But life does move pretty fast, doesn't it? I saw where... This Easter weekend, the oldest known person living died in Italy, a little lady, 117 years old. 
Her doctor said she was a medical miracle, just like crazy. I think there was someone that was several years behind her, but like 117. Get this, she's the only living person that they know of that lived in the 1800s. 1800s, 1900s, 2000s. She saw some life, didn't she? Amazing. 117. By the way, I was interested. I'm like, she's a medical miracle. What'd she do? They looked at her, her diet. She ate minced meat, pasta, and drank a glass of milk. Didn't even have almond milk, nothing gluten free. How did she make it? <laughs> what happened? I don't know if you're going to make it to 117, but I'm going to tell you this. It's just a reality. I'm not trying to scare you, use preacher talk, you ought to go to hell. I'm going to tell you, there will be a stopping point at some point. And that's serious business to God. But I want to tell you about another side to it too. Because I also understand this about climbers. It's like, well, heaven, we've, we've had so much false perspective of heaven. We think heaven is like floating around with fat babies, hanging around on clouds. And then it's like, we're going we're gonna to sing forever. You're like, I don't even like that part of the service. Why am I going to have to sing? That's like hell. Heaven is much more. It's not just some kind of glorified atmosphere. Look, heaven is ruling and reigning with Jesus, and I don't have time to preach on heaven. You just want to be there because the alternative is not good. Every good thing in God is not in the other place. But let me, let me, let me finish with this right here. It's more than just eternity, though that's important. It's about power for today. It's about power for today, right now, from the youngest to the 90-year-old who accepted Christ, there's power. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can live inside of you today. To move in your relationship with your spouse, to move and, and heal and redeem and restore stuff that's been broken that can help you and give you peace when you have anxiety and depression, can help you when you have challenges and tribulation, can help you when you don't know what to do that power can come into your everyday life. And here's what's so awesome about it. Climbers have trouble because we think we need to figure it out, but it's received simply. Even children can receive it. Even children can receive it because it's that simple. Last weekend, we gave out, it's one of my favorite phrases I've told my kids. I know that's not even fair right there, them little ones right there. My favorite phrase I tell my kids all the time you don't have to wait till you're old to be great. You can be a great kid. You can do great things for God even as a young person. Now, I know that's not fair to show you that onesie. That's just too much. We ran out of them, giving them away. We gave those out to everyone and uh, the kids in our kids' ministry. But I, I show it to you to even give you a little window into how much I believe this. I, I believe this power that raised Jesus from the tomb can even, it's not just about watching kids and feeding them animal crackers and hoping we can babysit them. That power can come into their lives and they can start doing awesome stuff for God. Here's why I say that. It's even about today. The power of God available for you today. I want to close with this. Very simple. In my opinion, you hear, okay, Jeff, I got you. In my opinion, you have two options. When it comes to eternal life for the future and eternal life today, you have two options. Number one, you can keep climbing. And as I said, if you're in a place where you're investigating, you, you're in a, we, we, we never wanted to build a church just for church people. 
So you're welcome here if you're still checking it out. And I don't say this offensively, but if you choose option one, here's the deal. You're going to have to climb really hard. You may pass me. You may pass Billy. You ain't passing Mother Teresa. Come on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But, but I would just say, just, just, just go as hard as you can. Although I don't believe it's the right option. I would recommend a much more powerful option. A much more mind-blowing option. A much more that will pour out of your heart so much gratitude option. And that is right here on Easter. What a great moment to celebrate the power of the cross and the tomb that no one can ascend to God, but Jesus descended to us. And he wants to come down right to you. There's some of you here, you go, Jeff, you're talking about Steve and Banks and you and Billy. And you're thinking, well, oh, so that's just like good climbers. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something I love about Jesus. When you see that serve day, it moves me how those people were like, we didn't know there was love out there. We didn't know if God saw us. He comes all the way down. He'll come all the way down to your shame, to your guilt, to your problems. He goes all the way down to every single person. He'll come right down to you no matter where you're at. And all you have to do is say, yes, what a powerful gift. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Every single head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask you to choose option two and say, Jesus, thank you for your gift. And you're there, you say, Pastor, how does that happen? Is it complicated? Is it big words? Is it no? I'm going to lead you through a prayer between you and God. And it's really not so much about the preacher words, though the words have power, because we must confess him. But it's really about your heart. It's about you surrendering your will to him. You're not adding Jesus to your climbing. You're giving up all of your attempts. You're bringing him all your mess. You're saying, here I am. So right where you are, say, Jesus, just between you and him, Jesus, here I am. Maybe you need to come back to God. You've been away from God. I don't know where you're at. You want to recommit yourself. Maybe you're, you're hearing this and it's making sense to you for the first time. And Jesus has been working on you. He's been intersecting your life. A friend brought you. You're kind of even wondering, how did I get in this? How does this guy know where I'm at? I don't, but God does. And all you simply have to say is, here I am, Jesus. Thank you for the payment you made on the cross. I believe you died there for me. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you love me so much that you gave your very life for me. So I receive you into my life today. I accept you today as my Jesus. Not just some Jesus on some Easter poster cross figure. I receive you today as my Jesus come into my life. I receive you today. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'm not going to embarrass you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you do anything. But I like to know who I prayed with. And I have a little something for you. It's going to be very discreet. But you say, Pastor, I'm coming back to God. I gave my life to God. I got right with God. Wherever you're at, even in the commons area, even by video, would you just slip your hand up, raise it up wherever you're at. Slip it up so I can see it. Thank you. Hold it up. The ushers are giving you a gift from me. Everybody in this room praying for those that are making the most important decision. There it is in the back right there. I hope you guys see that. Awesome. 
Several hands. Hold it on up high till you get your card. Thank you. Whole family right there. What a powerful, powerful moment for you. I see you, sir, right there with your wife and your daughter. What an amazing, amazing moment. Anyone else say, Pastor, I prayed that with you. I have a gift, and that gift is a Bible. And I want you to really pay close attention if you just prayed and these guys gave you one of those cards. Out in the commons area, there's a sign that says a gift for you. We'll have some of our pastors, we'll have some people there, and we have a Bible for you. And I want you to go to John. This story I've been telling you, you'll run into Jesus there in John. We've had many, many people go get that Bible And it's so exciting for us to meet you. And so that you start with that Bible and start in the book of John and you'll run into Jesus and you're going to start growing in your relationship with him. Eternal life is more than going to heaven. Eternal life is to know Jesus. Jesus wants to know you. And you now that you've accepted him, you got to develop that relationship with him. And so go right out these doors and they'll be ready to receive you. I'm going to tell you to do a second thing. I always love at 101, next, right after this service next weekend, I will be in the room that's right there at the front of the building. I love meeting the people who have received Jesus. It's moving to me every time, so I can't wait. I stay till the last person leaves, shake your hand, meet you. If you receive Christ, I'll see you there at Discovery 101. And really, for many of you, who say, Jeff, I'm not, I'm not plugged in. I don't have spiritual family. I'm not walking. I see all those 1,500 people and how I say the local church is the hope of the world. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's a place for you to start the discussion. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet today. Happy Easter on behalf of my wife, Brandy, our entire team. He loves you, so we love you. Let's pray a final prayer here right now. Jesus, thank you for the power in our lives to live who you've called us to be. May we leave here today walking in that life, walking in that power. We're so thankful that we don't have to climb, that you came down to us and we worship you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.